We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, October 9th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Um, with me today is my colleague, Derek Van Riper. Like every Monday morning, we review Sunday. And um, what a big bummer of a Sunday injury was. It just really just uh, off, a couple of awful injuries. Yeah, Beckham and, and JJ Watt kind of leading the way. And you talk about two stars of the game. I know the Giants are having a, a rough year, but Beckham was the the one thing you could enjoy about watching the Giants. His season appears to be over. I don't know if they ever confirmed that last night, but I, I mean, they're 0-5, and that's an injury that requires some surgery. There could be some ligament damage. Watt, you know, a, a huge player, of course, for the Texans' defense. Uh, especially, it feels even worse after you know, the charity work, the money he just raised yep. in the wake of the hurricane in Houston, too. Like, that's just cruel, just pure cruelty that he's, he's out. Right. I, I agree. And as far as Beckham, I, I think that sort of confirms for the Giants that you just uh, it's so funny that we thought a team in New York was going to tank for the first pick. It just we got the wrong one. Well, yeah. And, and if you think about quarterbacks and long term, I mean, Eli Manning is one of those guys that he 
isn't real great anymore. He's kind of average at best, right? And I think Liss has argued for years now, probably three years, that Beckham kind of just carries Eli along. He kind of makes Eli look passable. In last season, 6.7 YPA for Eli, 6.6 so far this year. Thinking about playing 11 games without Odell Beckham, it'd be hard to imagine that number actually going up. You'd be interested in in the time since yesterday's game, which is as we're recording is 17 hours. The amount of times I've heard from my friends in New York, I think they should put Davis Webb in now. Come on, That's really? Frustrated people. I know. And I'm going, well, they're like, we got to see how good he is. I went, well, you have to see how good he is. I think the Giants probably know. <laughs> you know, they see him every day. Just because you haven't seen him doesn't mean they haven't. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, what, who cares? Blow it up, kill it. I mean, I'm, I'm on the blow it up train for them, but that's a little extreme in week six, I would think. Eli is kind of like the boring continuity. I mean, but two Super Bowls too, right? So there's, there's not much to complain about if you're a Giants fan with regard to Eli Manning. And at I, this point in his career, it's time to realize that like this could be the last season you have him. I don't know what the contract uh, looks bad. like as far as it is bad enough where they can't cut him. It, or it's I, just I, I looked this up a couple of weeks ago that if they cut, if they cut him next off season, this coming off season, it's still bad. They almost have to wait one more year or else it's a disaster. Could they keep him, draft somebody, have that somebody take over and then, you know, just have him around as, veteran backup yeah i mean suppose you could it would create a weird situation but i suppose you could i mean so. dude, look, look at him he's he's not he's not the same player he was earlier in his career not even close i mean no, nobody at 36 plays the way they do when they were 28 right and the rest of them i, I tell you I, I as a as a guy who grew up a giants fan i would like i think i should write josh mcdaniels a, a card every day between now and january something just you know, hey how are you Everything good? You think that'll do it? You think it'll it just takes some friendly Giants fans to uh, to assure him that going to New York, he won't get crushed <laughs> if it like goes to, wrong? I would like to think so. Yeah, and supposedly Belichick has a soft spot for the still has a soft spot for the Giants. So like where other teams, he'd be looking to screw them. I don't know that he'd feel that way about the Giants, huh? Because well, of his I background mean, with the Maras and all that. So quick off the wall thought: I mean, Belichick's not exactly what I would describe as young anymore, right? He could leave when Brady leaves. Brady could leave pretty much any time. Is McDaniel just going to wait and take over that job? Maybe. After Belichick? I mean, maybe. Yeah, who knows what they've talked about. But I think that that's absolutely a possibility. Um, and, you know, if you like it there and you think the crafts are good ownership, you know, when, when things pass from generation and all that. Yeah, that's that. I would think that was that's in the cards somehow. It's but it's possible. It um, could be the could be the first choice if, if it's even up to him. I mean, maybe, maybe they don't want him as a head coach long term. Maybe they like him working with Belichick, and they don't like him as a head coach leader type. I have no idea. Just right. just the thought that maybe you would turn down uh, other jobs that come up because that's one of the three best jobs in the league. I would I would assume. Right. Um. All right. I got Eli's cap, cap money for this. See, I don't know if this when it says dead cap 2017. I don't know if that's this off season or this last off season. Dead cap, $32 million. Next offseason, it would be, I think it's after the season, it would be $12 million. So I think this coming offseason would be the 32 That is brutal. That is yeah, brutal. It, it, it does drop off a lot. So, yeah, it yeah. looks like after 2018 is what they're going to get out of that. Right. Anyway, 
On to better subjects. <laughs> we need to thank Fanball for sponsoring the Road Warrior Fantasy Football Podcast. Check them out now. Fanball.com. On Twitter, Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at JHelpin37. We're also at Rotowire and at Rotowire NFL for a news feed. Um, and we're on Facebook where we do say Tim Heaney did Facebook Live uh, before the game. We've got them throughout the week. You should check them out. Um, all right, let's, just, let's go through the games from yesterday. It's so funny. I went through and I'm looking at box scores. And, I, and look, we're Monday morning. We haven't watched all the tape or all the highlights or even the condensed or whatever. It's, it's kind of early reactions. <laughs> Bill's Bengals. I'm going, from what I know of that game, like, is there anything to talk about? <laughs> Charles Clay yeah. getting hurt. Maybe. It sucks for them, too. Like they're already thin with, with the lack of pass catchers there. I, I think A.J. Green kind of had the game that some people were expecting Julio to have last week against the Bills. Right. Uh, you know, the Bills corners could be pretty good, but I think the question about them is how are they going to handle the elite, the, the most, I guess, oversized number one receivers? Like the corners are a little small. So that's the that's the matchup nightmare. And it's a, it's a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams. So right. it's not a knock on them so much as it's a, hey, look, their their secondary is improved. But when they face Green and Julio and Jordy Nelson, if that ever comes up, you know, stuff like that, that's going to be kind of the issue. But the Bengals are still they're still a weird team. And Andy Dalton over nine yards per attempt. That's really nice to see. But that was just Green being awesome at a 77 yard catch in this game. The running game, at least, is leveling out. Joe Mixon, 15 carries. Jeremy Hill, four. Yeah. Bernard had two. I, I, I'm glad the presence of Bill Lazor as the offensive coordinator has at least brought us to the point where we're no longer looking at that as, as three guys sharing carries. It's basically one lead back with just two veterans that get the occasional carry. Yep. It's fine. Yeah, we've settled. It's, it's at week five, and this, this is kind of working out the way people thought it would. And you look at Mixon's numbers yesterday, and you're not excited about them, but workload-wise, you're fine. And you know that they played a tough defense, so the yardage is probably going to come. I mean, their, their line's still shaky, but um, things should get better there. All right, Jets-Browns. The Jets are 3-2. and two. I mean, this, this is stunning to me. It really is. I didn't think there's any – I think three wins was that – was, that was an outside – if someone would have said before the season, hey, do you think the Jets will get the three wins? I, I would have went, I don't know. That's that's maybe. And they're there by October 8th. So good for them. Fantasy-wise, another game. Um, Blau Powell injury. Uh, we don't know how serious it is, but uh, Elijah McGuire got the, got the work. Um, I think Austin Safarian Jenkins is the guy to talk about in this game. I mean, the stats weren't huge, but the, the he had the attention of Josh McCown. Yeah, I mean, I think he's benefiting from a pretty weak group of pass catchers overall. Uh, eight targets. It's almost double what everybody else got. I mean, Robbie Anderson had five. I didn't do much with him. Curly and Curse had four each. I think with Austin Safarian Jenkins, he's always had the talent. But why is it taking him so long to put it together? Well, he's had personal issues, right? Wasn't he, I mean, drinking? Was that what it was? I think that's what it was. I think I think it's been that plus other problems with the coaching staff in Tampa Bay. You know, just just never never really seemed to fit in as well as he could or should have. Right, and especially there where he didn't have to be the guy. He was part of a pretty productive system potentially, and it just never it never clicked. But the thing that surprises me the most about the Jets, thinking about what happened this week with Jacksonville going into Pittsburgh and just beating up on the Steelers. How did the Jets beat the Jags? <laughs> Jet lag from the London trip? I mean, w- what can we attribute that to? I, I Blake Bortles being 
still pretty crappy and huh. the Jets defense maybe being a little better than we thought. I mean, like what's what's the explanation for that week four win over Jacksonville, like beating Cleveland in Cleveland and barely doing it? Eh, that's a, that, that's a coin flip, ugly game that could have gone either way. Right. For me, like I going think, in. I think that I mean, I, I, I want to chalk that up to just weird league because, you know, I was saying something similar yesterday. I was watching the Panthers. And they, until the Lions started running hurry up in the fourth quarter, the Panthers pretty much dominated them, right, in Detroit. And I'm watching them going, how did these guys get blown out by the Saints at home? You know? How, yeah, like, it, how did that happen? It's like a different team two weeks later. And it's, you know, it, it happens. It's, you know, you throw in a clunker, and uh, I, don't, I don't know that there needs to be any big reasons, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I do think with the Jags, you're, you, they're always capable of – with Bortles of imploding on offense. I think yesterday, what did he throw, 15 times? Or something yeah, like that. Yeah, a lot. And I think that Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone probably think that's fantastic. They're probably looking back, oh, God, I wish we could do that every week. They're, they're definitely looking at uh, a lot of tape from Saturdays and, and thinking, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to have a quarterback next year? Because we have the running game. You know, we're, we're going to have a chance to add to the receiving core. And even if you didn't, Hearns and Lee with an average quarterback would be top 20 as far as a receiving tandem. They're not, they're not awful. Right. They're, but, but Bortles makes them look awful. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't think Allen Robinson being out there would help that much. I think Bortles is just that bad. So if you're a Jags fan, like you're cautiously optimistic, you're three and two, your team's playing well, despite the fact that you don't throw it because your defense is good and your running back is awesome. Is that sustainable though? Is that just the recipe for seven and nine or eight and eight? It, it might be. You're going to need. You're going to need to take a step forward on offense somewhere, for to 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 take the next step in general. And and I think you're right. I mean, it might be seven. It might be nine and seven, but it's not going to be. You know, it, it's not going to get you over that hump. Um. Ooh, maybe Tom Coughlin can bring Eli down. What do you think? How about that? Would that be an upgrade? Overboard? Yeah, it, it's an upgrade. So. <laughs> How much of an upgrade is it? Keep in mind, you don't get to bring Beckham with him. So it's it's just 36-year-old Eli without that that dynamic, amazing number one receiver that makes ridiculous plays. Right. You get Allen Robinson back next year. Huh. I don't know. I think think he's a a free agent. I think he and Devontae Adams, like that draft class, those guys are all running out of their rookie deals. Got it. But Eli to Jacksonville would be interesting. And if you're the Jags, if you're the Giants – uh, the, 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 the cap's going to be the problem, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bad. I, I just I don't know. I don't know if that that deal can be traded even right without that issue. But that's the kind of thing the Jags actually probably should do if they don't like make that cap situation even worse. Right. Because now they're, t- they're too good to draft high in the first round for a quarterback. So yeah, Eli has no trade clause, too. Do you think he'd, he'd wave to go to oh, Jacksonville? Yeah, probably not. That's true. <laughs> I right, forget that. <laughs> um Panthers-Lions, back to them. Okay, so uh, not to rain on the Panthers parade. Christian McCaffrey got his first touchdown yesterday. That play, that was a pretty play. Did you see it? Really? I actually did not see oh, that play yet. you got to see it. It's, the play design was just excellent. It was, it, was, it was a little shovel pass from about the, I don't know, three-yard line, five-yard line, whatever it was. I'm watching the video literally right now. I'm going to give you a second to watch it. You do, I'll, uh, I'll just talk while you're watching the video. Keep talking but, for 10 extra seconds because there's an ad that's still playing. Oh, got it. Um, so Ed Dixon is a superstar tight end now. 
Um, that's that's the game I thought he was going to have against the Saints. Remember, I said there's right. there, if there's ever a week for Ed Dixon, it's against the Saints, and it didn't happen. He's wide open. Literally, they just basically said, "Well, we're not going to cover this guy." That's what it looked like, anyway. Um, so that was just you know five for one seventy five. We should not count on that every week, but they're going to throw a little to the tight end. I, I thought all along that Dixon with Olsen out, he's not going to do this, obviously, but Dixon would be a four catch for fifty yard kind of guy. Which in bye weeks you could, and get a touchdown sometimes, and in bye weeks you could do worse. So. I thought that was a possibility, and this is a nice play design. I don't know how you would really stop this because if you do this, you run this play to the right when Cam could actually just like kind of rotate his hips and just throw the ball if you wanted to to a tight end or something. Right. It's like it's like an option where you have two different guys you can pitch to because one is the outside pitch to Stewart and one's like the inside shovel. To McCaffrey, that's a really nice play design, and and they had the Curtis Samuel on the fake uh, reverse in the beginning of it, going the other way. It was a really interesting, folks. If you haven't seen McCaffrey's touchdown, check it out. Um, speaking of McCaffrey, though, this is if you're in a standard league. I know he scored yesterday and saved you. If you started, this is not working. It's just not working. They won't run him. You know, it's not working out. Other lines, you know, maybe maybe it's because the line's not good enough, but he's just not getting the ball. For, and for all the, the talk they did about how he, he's a good runner, too, which, you know, maybe in a different situation he might be. This is in a standard league. I would not be happy about starting this guy every week. It's a lot like starting Duke Johnson yeah. right now in a standard league. You have you have a couple of these running backs right now that are I, I don't think the roles changed a lot, but it's changed enough with the floor compared to where it was a few years ago. With some of the pass catching specialists has gone up because teams do scheme different like, differently than they used to and. With that, you kind of get these specialists that do more. I mean, Duke Johnson's caught 23 passes in five games this season. So he's probably going to go over 70 catches. And he hasn't carried the ball more than six times in a game. That was a season high against the Jets this week. So they made a quarterback change, by the way. Kaiser got yanked at halftime. And it wasn't because of migraines or anything like that. And then Kevin Hogan played kind of well. Like I would assume Hogan starts for them as a result of that. I would, too. You have to think that. Now, because Kaiser and basically they gave Kaiser the chances. I mean, after five games, I think they kind of got fed up and said this just we just can't do this anymore because he's been so bad. Which is unfortunate. Like it's what's one of the outcomes when you start a rookie quarterback on a bad team. It can go totally wrong and go off the rails. Yep. And Hogan's not going to necessarily help them win half of the remaining games or anything. But if he's not making as many mistakes, at least then you have a feel for, hey, do we. Do we get other parts of our season right? Did we do we evaluate these other positions correctly? At least he's going to keep you in some games with, with Kaiser, man. I, I thought he'd be a little better than this. I, I think there are flashes, but if you're the Browns, yeah, you, you, you give Hogan at least a week or two to see if he actually is going to be able to do more because he did a lot more in the second half than we saw from Kaiser. Yeah, and man, are the people in, are the pe- frustrated people in Cleveland reminding them about Carson Wentz right now? Boy, oh yeah, but would Carson Wentz be Carson Wentz in Cleveland? Uh, he'd be he'd be an upgrade. He he, I think he'd be a guy you could look at and say that's our guy. Even I, if he I, was I, I agree with it because I mean he's got better tools or or more developed tools as a quarterback right now than Kaiser does. But then I mean like the Eagles right now, part of what makes them so interesting is the combination of players they have. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey is a true number one. Ertz has been awesome at yep. tight end. Mm-hmm. Torrey Smith is just one of those burners downfield. He's probably a lot like a, like a Ted Ginn type based on how he's used, right? Like 
last year Ted Ginn is kind of what Torrey Smith could be if everything goes right. If he's not dropping balls and if Wentz finds him on those those big plays. Uh, and then Nelson Aguilar is, is pretty good, too. You, you think about the Browns with Corey Coleman hurt. That group of pass catchers is pretty bad. It's terrible. And Kenny Brick got scratched yesterday. He was a healthy scratch yesterday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's going to get released. He might. He's not going to be there all season. Like if, if he's getting the healthy scratch in week five, I didn't, even, I didn't even realize that. I didn't look uh, at the actually, Browns. Actually, sorry. Sorry, not. He was inactive, and there was a groin injury that had him. Oh, My okay. bad. I thought he was a healthy scratch. I, I apologize. I don't have him anywhere, and I didn't have any assignments to check that game, so I was blissfully unaware that Kenny Britt was not out there yep. uh, yesterday. But uh, yeah, the, the Corell-Duke thing is, is kind of the same as it's been all season. I mean, we talked about the Jets as a matchup that was actually pretty good for Crowell, I think, and he did a little better. But still not catching that many passes because of Duke Johnson. Maybe things start to go better for both Crowell and Johnson as a whole because Hogan elevates them just slightly. But I, I still have very limited expectations for the Browns offense. Yep. Um, all right. And one more thing. Back to the Panthers. Devin Funches stepping up. He's uh, seven catches two weeks in a row. Caught another touchdown yesterday. Last four weeks. Sorry about the bracket outside, everybody. Um, last four weeks, he is up to 33 targets last four weeks, 27 in the last three. He's, uh, he's, he has become a favorite now that Greg Olson's out. So, uh, Devin Funches, folks, if you, if you somehow you can still get him, please do so. Um, 49ers in the Colts. So Carlos Hyde, did Carlos Hyde get benched? Like they I have used no him. idea. They took him out. They just, it said, he sounds like he, he, the health was fine. They just decided to start running Matt Breida. It's I thought we were way past the well, the Niners were going to cut Carlos Hyde. Yes. I hope we find out today something came up. Quad, hammy, calf, something. Because if you're a Carlos Hyde owner, he looked so good for the first four weeks. And if they just pulled the plug on him healthy in week five, because they didn't like the way he ran on eight carries mm-hmm. against the Colts. That's that's insane. According, I'm reading the blurb on on Rotowire. Kyle Shanahan said he was merely going with the hot hand, and that the decision had nothing to do with the hip injury that had nagged Hyde lately. Mm. Right? Crazy. Ugh, that, I, I thought I don't, I don't have him. I don't, I don't have him. I, I didn't. I do. I didn't avoid him, but I didn't target him. So. He, Naturally, I there didn't were a couple get of leagues. He fell fourth round. He fell me. I'm going, oh, okay, I'll take him here. I mean, he might be a lead back, a true one. Wow. And what what a gut punch, though. If you, if you started him yesterday and hot hand Matt Breida comes in and takes 10 of his carries. I mean, uh, Hyde should have had all 18 of those carries. There's no there was no reason in that game. It was a close game. There's no reason to run Matt Breida instead of Carlos Hyde. But he ran well. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'll play him. I mean, right. it, it's it's the goofy thing about small sample sizes you know anybody can right. do well for 10 carries or not do well for 10 carries um the other one in that game the running backs on the other side too um marlon mack made a little noise now i don't think they're gonna you know we are not at ditch frank gore but we know that frank gore kind of is somewhat limited at his age and while he still will probably you know we're gonna get it to the end of the year and he'll have seven or eight touchdowns somehow um, 
Marlon Mack looks like he's going to start making an impact that he's going to get his he's going to get his is the best way to put it. Yeah, so I have Marlon Mack, I think, in one league. It's the fishbowl, actually. Mm -hmm. And I still somehow with a quarterback off didn't even have him in my lineup yesterday. (laughs) Okay. yeah, I mean, I, I was scrambling for help and I think I played. Oh, I hope I hope I didn't do that. Did I play set the valve over Marlon Mack? If I did that, that was a terrible call. Oh, boy. Really? I don't think I did that. I hope I not. have to. I got to verify that. Boy, that that's a that's a terrible call. That's what I did. <laughs> I, I mean, I looked at it and I thought, well, OK, you know, they're they're going up against the Jets. The Browns make you score some points. The valve gets targets. Max the backup. But no, nah, play play the backup running back over the crappy tight end every right. time because the, the backup running back could easily just vulture a TD or on one of his carries break one and, and find the end zone. Like clearly there's way more that could go right <laughs> getting away from the bad tight end. All right. My last one I played, I, I don't know if I told you, I think I told Tim, I played Jacoby Brissett in the league yesterday and it worked out. Okay. Not terrible. He didn't throw any touchdowns, but he ran for one. So we're, you know, it is what it is. This um, game wasn't as wild as advertised, but it was pretty exciting when you look back at it. I it mean, was. 94 yards for Garcon on an 8, 7 for 177 for T.Y. Hilton. Mm-hmm. George it, Kittle. Really, yeah, Kittle's, Kittle's showing up. He's, he's doing okay. He's, he's, he's the guy that, you know, the, the, the sleeper, moderately productive tight end that people kind of hoped you'd be. That if you were in a tight end heavy league somehow, that he was going to be your second tight end, that he's, he's all right. So, um, Titans, Dolphins, uh, Devonte Parker hurt. We don't know how serious they, it sounds like they said it wasn't serious, but then he left the stadium on crutches. We don't want to read too much into that now. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, anyone who started Derrick Henry got just killed. There's another one. There's another game. I'm looking at this going, I don't know what there is to talk about. You can't take much from Tennessee because Castle played. The Dolphins are. They're bad. Their offense is just Jake Cutler's bad. I, I can can we make that switch if we're the Dolphins? I don't want to see. I if I'm on the Dolphins, I don't want to see Jake Cutler anymore. Release him. I don't trade know. him to the Jags. But Matt Moore's not awful. We've talked about this before. Yeah. But they said now, okay, Miami Herald reports he, he's unlikely to be benched. Jay is way down on the list of things going wrong. Said Adam Gase. Okay. I've uh, sure. Really? I mean, I that's is that possible that Gaze was the one that was like banging down the door trying to get Jay, and now that he's not playing well, he has to defend it to save his own job. That, Maybe that makes sense. I mean, Gaze had Cutler before as an offensive coordinator, so I would assume he wanted him because he knew what he was getting or thought he knew what he was getting, but. Hey, congrats to the Titans for getting a great performance out of their backup quarterback, Matt Castle, with the old 4.4 YPA. <laughs> so that's their their decision to have him as their backup is still dumber than me playing set the valve over Marlon Mack in the fishbowl, which I wouldn't have mattered. I, I'm losing. I'm, I'm getting crushed this week. I had a lot of things go wrong. So okay. that didn't even matter. And supposedly well, there was a report that Kaepernick's reps reached out to the Titans and they said no. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you say so. <laughs> we're set. We're good. We got Matt Castle. Yep. We're, we're fine. If Mariota breaks again, we're, we're good. We got a guy that started some games six years ago. And, and just for anyone, you know, this, if this discussion, I know some people get aggravated at this, this angle on the discussion, but if you don't want your team to get Kaepernick 
and that Kaepernick's not a superstar either. You don't want your team to have him. That's fine. But you, if you would rather have Matt Castle start over him, kind of don't get mad if they lose, right? I think it's weird because I think people will pretty much overlook anything within a player to, to have them help their team. And this seems to be for others, for some people out there, this is worse than a lot of things players have done that are actually like criminal behavior. Like yes. that's, that's what blows my mind about it. But right. yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to beat the point to the ground. It's just, I, I see this every week. We look at these box scores. We watch these players. We watch these backups, especially. And you're thinking like, come on, maybe part of this is because I'm a Packer fan and I've seen Colin Kaepernick kill the Packers in huge games, but I'm, I, I look at the numbers. I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm not looking at some small bias of games that were important to me as a fan and overblowing that as something that doesn't exist. I mean, even last year when that team was awful, he actually, in the context of a bad team, was great. Overall, was just good. But I, I, just, I don't understand how there's not a single team out there that's like, you know what? He, he has the right to do this and we don't care. We want to win like because they do that with everything else that people shouldn't do. Yes, that's I, I agree. And I, like I said, I'm with you. I get the if you don't want the circus, fine. And if people, you know, on, on the principle of the issue, they don't want them. I, I, I get it. I do. I mean, I'm kind of I don't share the, you, you know, the anger about it. I mean, I don't, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't like it. I mean, I kind of go, you know, hey, I, I wouldn't kneel. But it's not, it, you know, this issue is not affecting me personally either. So, you know, I, I, like I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm ambivalent, but, you know, I'm not angry about it. If my team signed Colin Kaepernick, I wouldn't be mad. I just, and I, but if I saw people kneeling for the, you know, from the flag, I, I wouldn't, I'm not thrilled. That's all. But it, if you're signing, it, you know, people, when it comes to a guy smacking around his wife or his girlfriend and people go, oh, I guess, I don't know if we should sign that guy. But Colin Kaepernick, oh no, we can't. Well, <laughs> Come on. I mean, Joe Mixon punched a woman in the face in the on face. video. Yes. We, we saw it. Yes, he got punished for it. He did. And at a certain point when you do something wrong after you are punished, you should be able to get a second chance in a lot of cases and everything. That's I get that. I believe in all that. But I, I just don't understand why this is actually so different. Right. I, I, I'm with you. And uh, please send the hate tweets to jhalpin37 or at Dirk Van Riper on Twitter. I barely read Twitter, as I said, Friday. <laughs> I, had a, I had an amazing Sunday. So go ahead, tweet, tweet the shade. I mean, again, I, we're not going to spend time on this all the time. I just you have to be furious. If you're a fan of a team with a bad quarterback, yep. that is such a stupid reason to not have a better one. I mean, yeah, like I said, if, and if that's your hill to die on, for lack of a better term, just when your team loses, OK. You had an option, right? And again, enjoy, enjoy Colin Kaepernick is not Castle. Aaron Rodgers, but enjoy Matt Castle. Exactly. Um, all right. Most of you have tried daily fantasy sports games, and I already know how it went for you. You had fun playing. You loved the competition, and you lost and lost and lost some more. Um, the Sharks were so good that you lost so much, you quit playing daily fantasy sports. But playing daily fantasy is supposed to be fun. We're here to tell you about a whole new approach today to daily fantasy sports called the Fanball Number at Fanball.com. Here's the Fanball difference. Your fanball number identifies your skill level and it ensures that you play in contests against players at your skill level. If your fanball number is, say, 35, you're not going to be playing against experts rated in the 80s and 90s because they have their own contests. Fanball.com, every player has a fanball number and every contest has a fanball number. So you can find a contest rated around that 35 and you'll know that it'll have players just like you. They've leveled the playing field with the fanball number at fanball.com. Have more fun and a better chance to win. Fanball.com. All right, Chargers Giants. 
we talked about Beckham. Um, Brandon Marshall got hurt. Stoney Shepard got hurt. Can can Evan Ingram get twenty five targets in week six? You think that'd be awesome. He right? he is on my fishbowl team, and he's <laughs> another guy that I started over Marlon Mack, and he gave me nothing. Yep, nothing. Zero. Four targets, no catches. And I would, but that that shouldn't scare people away, right? That he got zero production yesterday. If you're an angry owner, you were so excited before yesterday because it had been going so well, and yesterday was a goose egg, and you go, oh, God, what do I do? Given that uh, it sounds like Shepard's going to need at least two weeks before he's back, Beckham may not come back at all, and if he does, it's several weeks away. And uh, Marshall's got an ankle sprain, so he may hobble out there and try to play through it. They lost Dwayne Harris, too. I mean, they got crushed by injuries at wide receiver. So, yeah, Ingram... Eight targets a game going forward. Oh, yeah. That a, that, I mean, that seems like a pretty it, it's kind of aggressive, but I, I don't think it, given the number of injuries they have, I don't think it's that much of a stretch. Uh, I don't think so either. I mean, he's he, he could basically become Eli's go to guy just because there's I don't know what else you do. Um, the rest of this game, uh, the Giants, interesting running back deployment. They uh, they sort of a timeshare bit with Darkwa and Wayne Gallman. Which interesting anyway. Dark was pretty good. Dark Darkwa doesn't get enough respect. I'm not going to agree with you. Okay. <laughs> I think I think Orleans Darkwa gets an appropriate amount of respect. Really? Yeah, okay. I, I I think he's just a guy. I, I Oh I mean, I, Gallman, that's fine. Gallman was was pretty good yesterday too. He caught some passes. Over five yards per carry. If, if you if you're just giving those eight carries to Gallman or four of them. You get Gallman to 15, and he's the one that scores. The Wayne Gallman owners are feeling great today. But he, I have him a couple of places. I feel pretty good about him. I, I like I like what they were doing. What I don't like is that Shane Vereen still had five carries. Yeah, and they, they put him in late when they, were, when they were winning, I think, and they needed to run a little clock, and they put him in. I don't understand how that worked. So um, Darkwa actually got banged up a little bit, so he probably would have got more work because he started so well. But I mean, this guy, he's I don't know. I, I don't I, I disagree. I think maybe he's just a guy, but he's not a oh, no, we have to start Darkwa. I don't think it's awful. No, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's like a two point five yards per carry embarrassment or anything like that. I think he's just a typical like third string running back who yeah. is OK. Like he can do some stuff behind a better offensive line. We probably like him more. Right. Uh, what's going on with the Giants run defense, by the way? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I watched I watched that red zone was the extent of my watching yesterday. So I don't know. I know Vernon was out and that's a big deal. OK, yeah. Contain. Um, yeah. And Harrison's still terrific. But yeah, I don't know because their defense is not it, it's it, it's it's been underwhelming because that was supposed to be a, a team that the defense was going to carry them. And it's not. And I know. And we talked earlier in the season about how they were on the field too much um, yesterday. I mean, just looking at time of possession. Giants had the ball 30. Is this right? No, I'm looking at the wrong game. Hang on a second. I'll go back to the Giants, see what the time of possession was. But it was 31-45 for the Chargers, 28-15 for the Giants. Yeah, so that's not – I mean, that's not in that one game the reason. But, yeah, the defense has been underwhelming just generally. So, um, I don't know. So, yeah, Evan Ingram, like – okay, Cardinals-Eagles. Andre Ellington, if you are a PPR owner – who got Andre Ellington a couple of weeks ago. This is just a jackpot that you got. He is, I, I'm looking at the way he's done the last couple of weeks and game, 
The last two weeks, he's got nine receptions each game. He could lead running backs in receptions the way he's going. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I loved Andre Ellington three years ago. And as a result, because I got burned so bad, I wasn't really optimistic about him. I didn't like how when they signed Chris Johnson, like just just added him to the roster right away and ran him a lot. Like I didn't like that for Ellington. Clearly, they don't want to hand the ball off to Andre Ellington. They're right. They're just avoiding that. Is is he kind of does he fit into the conversation before where he's kind of like a Duke Johnson type where he's just gonna he's gonna catch so many passes that in most leagues that's actually good enough? I think so. I mean, you know, yesterday yesterday ten targets, last week fourteen. And last week was a close game. Yesterday wasn't. So we can't just attribute it to game flow. All right. Well, let's let's have a let's have a quick conversation about PPR versus non PPR, because this is this Andre Ellington line. Everybody out there who's never played PPR, who hates it. This is why they don't want to play it. Right. right? Like the, the nine catch 65 yard game, because in a standard league, non PPR league, six and a half points for Ellington. Yeah. Six point three. If you give him the minus two yards that he had on the ground. Fine. Okay. So, all right. Is, is that, does that fairly value what he did or is it 15.3 in full PPR? Or do you buy into the idea that the half point PPR, maybe for running backs, especially is the way to go. Like, should it be a hybrid where tight ends and receivers maybe get a little bit more because they have other things they have to do on the field. They don't get as many touches. Maybe they should get a full point PPR and backs because they're catching passes closer to the line of scrimmage. Maybe they only get half because if you cut it in half, four and a half, six and a half is 11, 11 points for what he did. Makes more sense to me than 15 and a half. I mean, that's 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 a good game in full PPR. I don't I don't mind the the receptions getting more points. Like the, the 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 argument against full point PPR. I just I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for it's different. It might not value what he does, but it's a different way to add scoring. It's fun. I mean, the way the, for me, the way I look at fantasy football, the more the more ways you have to score, the more fun it is. Like when I started right. this, I you know back in my day, you know I had a notebook and I was tracking touchdowns. You know, all right, my guy, all I can do is touchdowns. That's all I can you know, touchdowns, extra points, and field goals. And the passing touchdowns were three instead of six. And I wrote it in a notebook and I could read a box score and do it easily. And now with all these different ways I can keep tracking, we do yardage and, you know, percentages and things like that. Oh, great. Full point PBR. Fine. Good. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care if Andre Ellington is not as good as a, you know, a, a, a guy who ran for 70 yards and a touchdown. I don't care. It's fine with me. So full point PPR. I'm all in. All right. So you're all in a full point. How do you feel about the fishbowl with the first downs? Cool. Another way to score. I, th- I think it's you have to be a more serious player to try to execute that well because it adds a it adds complexity to try to figure out who's going to be good but yeah i'm good more ways to score is fine because the interesting thing is that last week ellington caught nine passes in that game had 86 yards had five carries for 18 yards in the fishbowl he had 17.4 points last week mm-hmm. because it's first downs that i don't think you get anything for a catch it's just first downs 17.4 this week Nine for 65, one carry minus two yards, 7.5 points. Okay. So it's a pretty big difference. But in, in a real context, you know, getting the first down is important. Yep. And on first down, getting the first seven yards towards the next first down matters. But it, 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 it's an interesting way to kind of push away from PPR, but then reward players for being involved in the plays that are 
more critical, more valuable to their team. So I, again, I, I, I'm used to full point PPR, but I just, I kind of wanted to bring it up because this, this is, this is the type of performance that people who don't like PPR get upset about. Sure. I agree. Um, and we know a lot of them, but yeah, I'm fine with it. it this, I, I, this doesn't cause me angst and I don't look and go, Oh, Andre Ellington got a bunch of dump offs, but because they're all catches, he gets full point and that's not fair. I don't care about that. Yeah. I, I try, I try not to get that upset about fantasy. I mean, I, I realize I play in some leagues where at the end of the year, especially there are some big swings for good amount of money, but there's only so much you can do. Right. <laughs> it's, I, I think that ho- I hope that comes with experience for people. Like if like, I, 10 years ago when I was playing, I, I probably got furious about stuff that was happening yeah. every single week. And now I kind of just take it in stride. I'm just like, yeah, you know, sometime that stupid thing that just happened, that BS missed field goal that just cost me four points at the end of the game. It's going to help me. Someone else is going to miss a field goal and I'm going to win because of it. Right. Or that scoring correction. I was, I was pretty, uh, I'll admit this. I was pretty fired up last year. There was a scoring change on Yahoo for LaShawn McCoy. He must have had a, a catch that they switched to uh, a, a lateral. So he lost a half point and I had won by like a quarter or a third of a point. So once they put the scoring change and I lost for that week. Yeah. And even looking back, it changed everything about my season because I, I've still made the playoffs, but I was seated lower than I would have been had I won that week. I played the team that scored the most in the first round. I would have played the other team and beat them. Everything would have been totally different without that scoring change. But that's one of a thousand things that could have been slightly different about my season that could have changed it one way or the other. Yep. All right. Yeah, this is uh, I agree with you. You know, you kind of have to roll with the punches a little bit on this stuff. Um, and for the PPR, the, the one thing I'll say is, you know, if, if you think it's an on uh, not a true representation of real football, that's fine. But, you know, you kind of know what it is going in. It's not like, oh, no, Andre Ellington got all these points yesterday for nine catches. Well, yeah, <laughs> he did. That's the way the scoring works. And you knew it beforehand. All right. Um, so I'm at the Rotowire um, football page. And the headline I see it has a picture, a picture of Ben Roethlisberger next to the headline saying, Week 5 Reactions, is this the end? Hmm. And Andrew Laird writes about, um, is Ben Roethlisberger basically toast? What do you think? I like when Laird has a more existential tone to his columns. So I'm kind of looking forward to reading this one. Um, I, I think this is just part of the NFL's general problem. You have Roethlisberger. You have Eli, you have Rivers, Carson Palmer is part of that same kind of group of quarterbacks. Brady and Rod and Brady's older than these guys yet. Rodgers, I think, is a, a tick younger than most of that group. But you have several quarterbacks that have been good for a long time who are aging to the point where they're not necessarily more than average anymore. They might even be below average. And you still don't feel like you have a great group of young quarterbacks coming in one for one to replace them. I, I don't I don't I don't know what to attribute that to with Roethlisberger. Yeah, I mean, he he easily could be done. It's it's possible. I know Mario's watched the tape and uh, in, in detail and he's kind of said, hey, look, he just doesn't look right. And I think after yeah. last week, he said for the first time he looked like himself. But that kind of inconsistency through five games, six point five YPA. Eli has done this before where he's kind of dropped below seven yards per attempt. We've never seen Roethlisberger do that. Right. So this is kind of a new low for him. I'm I'm nervous about it. I don't know that I agree with you about the quarterbacks coming in behind them. I'm good with them. They're different, though. You know, they're 
they're not classic passers of the football. But I well, I like I like that there's there are more dynamic players. I mean, the the pocket passer days, like just dropping back in the pocket and not being able to get away from the pass rush doesn't work anymore. Right. You have to be able to move the pocket. You have to be able to escape the pass rush and make plays happen with your legs. And we see that with Dak. We see that with Russell Wilson. Carson we see Wentz. it with Deshaun Watson. We see it with Wentz. We see it a little bit with Alex Smith still. I mean, Alex Smith's season so far has been amazing. People have asked me about it, and I'm still... I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> I'm still a little hesitant to buy in, but at a certain point, I mean, you have to just tip your cap and say, okay, Andy Reid has found a way to scheme for Alex Smith that just fits his skill set really well, yep. and he's maybe he's just a lot better than we give him credit for. Tyrod Taylor, I mean, that that's what... I know Tyrod Taylor's not going to be a guy that's starting eight years from now. Like I, I, I can see that when I watch him, but put some decent pass catchers around him. Like what would happen if he had some, some good pass catchers? No, he had Sammy Watkins. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Sammy Watkins. I'm, I'm so frustrated with Watkins. Cause I think I, I'm convinced at this point, he's going to get ignored by Goff in difficult one-on-one matchups Yeah, because Goff's trying to avoid mistakes. Part of that could be the scheme from Sean McVay. It might be smart. It might be the right way to go. I mean, if if you don't trust Jared Goff to throw into tiny windows, don't throw it at Sammy Watkins when Richard Sherman has him or when Patrick Peterson has him. But he's get, he gets a lot of tough matchups. I know this is something Mike Clay has written about. Dez has a, had a brutal schedule this year, but I think Sammy Watkins had the most difficult schedule on paper for any number one receiver based on the quality of the corners he's expected to go up against. Right. And... Feaster famine is probably going to be the case with him because on the handful of games where he has an easy matchup, Goff's going to go to him a lot. And when he's got tough matchups, Goff's probably going to go elsewhere to avoid costly turnovers. Right. And it's interesting. I have him in one league that I was I was flexing him. I got him in the fifth round. And that's point. I, I didn't love him, but I, fifth round, I went, I mean, OK, if, I mean, if you if you're begging me to take him, I will. But now I'm looking after yesterday. I go, all right. Now, now I got to ma- I got to bench him based on matchups sometimes. Because of that situation, which I hate. Because the day I bench him, he'll go, you know, five for 115 and a touchdown. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a brutal player to own. He's on the, the NFFC main event team I have, and that team's starting to fall apart. It's, it's really frustrating, but it, it's still easy to see the talent. Yeah. Like when you watch him, you can see it. But I, I think the other problem is that they don't have a great number two, even though they've improved that team. They don't have a guy good enough on the other side to keep defenses more honest. Right. And that that works against him. It's, it's actually worked against him his whole career, aside from injuries and uh, inconsistent quarterback play. But injury has been his, his biggest issue. And now I just think it's it's having a, a smart coach with a quarterback that doesn't want to make mistakes, which is a good that's a good team concept to have it just right. it's bad for sammy Watkins' fantasy value all right let's go on to that game more seahawks rams uh 16 10 seahawk win we got no clarity in the seahawks backfield yesterday mm-hmm. i didn't expect to get much uh, and this is one of the games that because it was overlapping the packers cowboys game was pretty much off my radar as it happened Um, Gurley had a a near TD that was a fumble early. I don't know if you saw that play. I did. That that was a 
a big swing. I mean, he ended up having kind of a quiet day otherwise. If he scores there, people are pretty happy with what he did. But given the matchup, I've said it before, I think Seattle's defense, when I've watched them, they've looked really good against the run, even though Hyde got to him a little bit, even though DeMarco Murray ripped off a long run against them. I think they're going to finish the year as a very good run defense. What I'm impressed by with the Rams is that they were able to keep Russell Wilson from making a lot of big plays. I mean, they they lost this game, but they played it in a way where you kind of look at them and say, this defense is good. Yes. If Jared Goff keeps getting better, this could actually be a wild card team. Like yep. they could, they could be a wild card team that hangs around in a playoff game or wins a playoff game. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me that much based on what they're showing us. Right. I agree with you. They could absolutely be a wild card team. Um, but that we're going to know the next few weeks. So the first four weeks, the schedule was, I mean, I know the Cowboys are good uh, or they're, they're a decent team, but uh, I, it gets a little tougher from here for the Rams. So we're going to yeah, see I mean, what they, they have. They've lost the two. Uh, Washington and, and, and Dallas to me are pretty similar. So I would, I would say they, they lost their toughest game yesterday. They happened to get their toughest game at home. They've split the next two and then they won their, their layups. Yep. Okay, everybody, buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. And I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I'm actually going to shop for some Hornets tickets soon because the season's open in the NBA. I can be anywhere with just a few taps, and I can instantly find seats. This week, let's travel with people for SeatGeek. Eagles-Panthers Thursday night. We're sending people on the road, Derek. Nice. That's what we should do. All right. Um, do you want to go see Rams, Jags, in Jacksonville? How about that? I bet you, you know, Seeky can probably get him cheap for that one. That one, you're, you're going to get a sweet deal on SeatGeek. Yeah. Um, I, the, I will only go to a Jags game if, uh, if Nick Whalen invites me because he is a, he's a, one of our resident. We have several Jags fans in the office. By several, what? I mean like three. Oh, okay. But out of, out of our office of 20. That that is almost several. I mean, that's fifteen percent. It's kind of surprising for for basically South Central Wisconsin to have any Jags fans is kind of amazing. Right. I think the, I think the other travel game besides Eagles Panthers Thursday Steelers at Chiefs isn't a bad one. It's Four, a great one. Four twenty five yeah. Eastern. Yeah, but you know, if you have the SeatGeek app, like I said, just a few taps on your phone, you can have tickets to Steelers Chiefs, and you know, you just gotta you know get a plane ticket and get down there or drive wherever you are. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats to fit your budget. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. Best of all, new users can get twenty dollars off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code RotoNFL. That's promo code ROTONFL for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. They actually might, if you go to that Jags game, you might actually make money on that if you get the $20 promotional value on SeatGeek. See it live with SeatGeek. Right seat right now, right from your phone. Thanks a lot, SeatGeek. Okay, Ravens Raiders. I, I mean, Amari Cooper is dead to me. I know it was EJ Manuel, quarterback. But I mean, gee, I mean, we're at week five, and this guy is doing nothing. Nothing. He's, he's killing you. He's the big is there's no bigger bust. It's pretty. I don't have the ADP in front of me, but it's got he's got to be a lock for that. I'm looking at the Oakland defense in this one. I'm thinking, how do you not get sacks against an offensive line missing Marshall Yanda? Yeah. 
But yeah, I, I, I think the, this is, this is a, this is a mess of a, a, both, both of these situations right now. I mean, the Ravens 222 from Flacco is amazing. I, I've got him in a two quarterback league and I'm, I'm thrilled. He didn't have any TDs though. Go. Cause that's how it goes. Marshawn Lynch at least scored, but the volume wasn't really there. They ran Jalen Richard kind of a, a lot. Yeah, Lynch, I mean, he's not going to catch passes out of the backfield. Cooper only had two targets. Mm-hmm. Did he get hurt? And we just don't know it yet. Like, what, what's going on with that? I don't know. I mean, he 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 practiced last week. I mean, he had a little. He was a little banged up, but he practiced. This guy has single-digit receiving yards three weeks in a row. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's real bad. I I don't have him anywhere. I don't have any Amari Cooper. I once in a while will play him in, in daily. I, I don't freak out about the red zone targets favoring Michael Crabtree. I didn't have that concern about him. I just I kept looking at him as a second rounder, and I thought I, I think Derek Carr is okay or good, not not great. And then everybody seemed to just like the Raiders passing game more than me. Where I've been wrong about the Raiders is Lynch, because Lynch looked good those first few weeks. Right. And I, I got to look at the tape from yesterday. Again, we how do you, how do you judge guys on twelve carries a week? If someone looks great on twelve carries, we get overexcited. If they look okay, I feel like we we bury them maybe more than we should. When all along it's kind of just like, well, a good game on a small number of carries. Let's see what happens next week. Right. Man, yeah. I I am I'm blown away though that that Cooper had just two targets. I mean, any any quarterback, any backup quarterback shouldn't matter. Should be throwing the ball to Cooper at least seven or eight times a game. Right. All right, so let's, let's say this week. Let's say you did on Amari Cooper. This coming week, they're playing the Chargers at home. Are you looking? I mean, this all depends on context to your roster, blah, blah, blah. I mean, are you kind of looking to bench him at this point? Probably not. I would hope not. I mean, if you've got great receiver depth, sure. But if I, I think in most situations, you're probably still playing him. If you're in a league where you start two receivers in those spots, it's easier to find two that you like better based on matchups, based on the quality of depth you have. Any league where you start three in a flex, I still think you have to stick with Amari Cooper. Okay. I don't know. I, I got to test my rosters this week and see how that goes. Because I have them in, I think, two spots. Let me see where my players are. Hold on a second. So this well, week. It's always easier for me when I don't own a player to tell people what they should do with that player. Right. Understood. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not facing the problem in a way that I can completely relate to. I mean, it's, it's just purely hypothetical. I'm like, Oh, if I had Cooper, no, I'd still play him. But Hey, Hey, if you say, well, you can throw, uh, I don't know. What even, what, what even, yeah, where are you at? What, what are you thinking about doing instead of Amari Cooper? I think is that's, that's the, that's the real question here. And I, I have to look at the, I mean, the, the place I have him, I'm looking at right now is, is two plus a flex, two and a flex or two and two flex actually. I mean, you're not playing Jerron Brown over Amari Cooper, are you? I, I don't know. Coming off a three for 39 this week. I, I, Amari Cooper's got 118 yards all year. Yeah. I mean, at, yeah. One point, at what point do you get basically the hardest part of this game is to get past the, but he's Amari Cooper and he has to get better. He probably will. But I mean, we're, we're talking, he's got 118 yards in five weeks. This is one of the most bizarre seasons I can remember for a number one receiver who was drafted in the first two rounds. Yeah. He's not doing anything. I don't know. 
I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what to do. I, I have to, I mean, later this week when we do rankings and things, we're going to have to figure it out more. But I, I, this is just, it's awful. Um, all right, Packers, Cowboys. Um, Jamal Williams, thanks for playing. We don't need you anymore. I think is fair right now. Ty Montgomery, let's say he comes back this week. If you were a Ty Montgomery, do you have, do you have how many, what kind of Ty Montgomery shares do you have? One, unfortunately. Okay. And you're watching like them too. You're watching this as a Packers fan too. But you watch you watching Aaron Jones yesterday, and if you're a Ty Montgomery owner, you're like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah, a little bit because he's he, good. Not only not only did he look good, they gave him volume. They gave him yeah. 19 carries. Like they were running him a lot. They were running him in situations where I was sure they were going to throw. Right. I mean, I was getting wily coyote by Mike McCarthy yesterday with the play calling, and that's that doesn't usually happen. Usually. I, I, I know what McCarthy's going to do before he does it most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like it's, he, he's, he's a simple guy. Like it's not, he's got Aaron Rodgers. Like you kind of know what's coming. So yeah, Aaron Jones looks like the real deal. I'm a little surprised I didn't throw to him more out of the backfield. Yep. So that's, that's the one little wrinkle that wasn't there yet. That could be pretty tough matchup coming up in week seven. Good test for him. If, uh, if Montgomery is not back, how does he look against Minnesota? I think Minnesota against the run uh, will be a nice tough challenge for them and they get the saints in week seven game i'm going to nice uh, at home which should be a, a shootout awesome game the saints defense going into their bye had a couple decent games but one of those came against the, the colors so you can't you can only take so much <laughs> right. out of that man aaron jones if he's available he's number number one running back pickup by a, a good margin because the team he plays on and the, the fact that he seems he's seems to be ahead of jamal williams down the depth chart which wasn't the case at all prior to week four when Williams got hurt and that Montgomery, aside from this rib injury does have a pretty extensive injury history going back to his time in college. Okay. I'm looking up Aaron Jones, by the way, where are you, Aaron Jones? Come on, Aaron Jones. Where are you? Aaron Jones is 30, 35% owned. No, he's 57. Okay. 57. Still gettable in some places. Well, there's some leagues where you can add players like right away, yeah, which I are guess. still, I don't know how those still exist, but it's still, all right. So 57%, that number is going to be 99 Absolutely. after, after waivers run this week, he's going to be owned pretty much everywhere except for the leagues where everybody bailed. Yep. Um, okay. Moving to chiefs, Texans. I got this dead wrong. I thought the Texans were going to have a big night and that they were going to, you know, and the chiefs were, I'm not a chiefs hater, but I kind of thought, all right, they're 4-0, and this is when they come into a spot that's a tough road game with a team that's improving lately, and you know, this is where the Chiefs take their first loss, you know, and where the Chiefs kind of come back to earth as a pretty good team, but not an excellent team. Well, I mean, they just look, they just look great. They, they just, there's, I mean, it, at this point, you look at the Chiefs, and I know they're 5-0, and it's easy to say this, but you look at the Chiefs now, and you go, all right, I mean, they're, they're the best team in the league. They are. They just they just flat out are right now. Maybe they won't be all year, but they are right now. And yeah, yeah, they they might have that. And look at their schedule coming up like they're home against the Steelers. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a telling week for the Steelers after getting embarrassed with Ben playing awfully, awfully bad at home. Can they rebound at Arrowhead? No less. That's going to be a really tough test. Right. The Chiefs get the Raiders. On a quick turnaround uh, Thursday for week seven on the road. 
Broncos at home coming off a bye. At Dallas, at the Giants, home against the Bills, at the Jets, and then they get three in a row at home. Raiders, Chargers, Dolphins late in the year. Mm-hmm. At Denver uh, at Week 17. I'm looking at those matchups. I mean, I'm looking at the at Dallas as a tough one. Denver always plays them well. I, I think Denver Week 17 is much more of a problem in Denver, though. Right. I mean, they they could they could maybe they are a fourteen and two team. I think you're saying on Friday you don't really look at them that way, but are you starting to yeah start, starting to feel it with them where it's like all right, like their their offense just looks like one that teams have to make a lot of adjustments to stop, and by the time they figure it out, it's going to be too late. Yeah, yeah. Because Alex Smith, I'm looking at Alex Smith, and I'm going, this is it's a different guy. He's throwing downfield more, and, and it's working, and like I, he's a different. They're they're just different. They're not. You come into the season, the way you looked at them, you said, all right, the defense is turnover-based. But, you know, statistically, the part, part of my skepticism was that the defense, I, I feel like they, they're not as good as the, – the, the, if you looked at the numbers, the numbers are more average. You know what I mean? That they're mm-hmm. not that great. And then – and last night, they're going to be skewed after last night because it was all garbage time. Um, but they're, they're like, I, you ha, I had this image of them as, you know, it's like Alex Smith is a game manager and they're this conservative team. And, you know, maybe they get by with turnovers and whatever and they're above average and they're well coached. And now, I mean, oh, my God, they're good. I mean, they just they kicked the crap out of the te- Texans last night. I may have in a best ball league this summer at some point drafted Patrick Mahomes ahead of Alex Smith as right? my third quarterback. Yeah. And Alex, Smith, he's the MVP. He's, he's week five through weeks. Week five. He's the MVP. It's crazy. Yep. But it's true. All right. So on the other side of that last night. So everybody reacts very quickly on Twitter to everything. And the Deshaun, Deshaun Watson threw five touchdowns last night. And it's so funny. I had a guy on Twitter yesterday ask me in the morning, Wentz or Watson? And I said, Watson. And I actually wrote him back at seven o'clock. And I said, I really hope Watson does well tonight. I, I, hopefully, I basically said, I mean, you know, that call is not going to work. And it did. I'm, so, I'm sorry, but yeah. <laughs> right. But after the game, and you and I, we've been talking for weeks. After week two, when Watson made that, it was week two when he made that big run against the Bengals on Thursday. Yep. Yeah, and I said to two. you, is he a top 12 quarterback now? Or like he's worth, after, after week three, absolutely top 12 quarterback. After week two, I said he might be worth starting just because of the running ability. However, now last night after the game, I'm seeing things like, uh, uh, Brad Evans. I don't pick on Brad. I think Brad does a great job, and I agree with him a lot. He said the only. Th- I think he said. And I'll pull up the tweet in a minute. The only quarterbacks I'd rather have over him the rest of the season are Brady, Rogers, Breeze. And you wouldn't. You wouldn't take Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan th- over Deshaun Watson right now. I think he said Brady, Rogers, Breeze. A couple other people said no. I think I might take Wilson and Dak, but that's it. I'm like, well, and, and, but think, more than that, because fantasy and reality are different. With these guys. And I kept saying, my, my contention with Watson has been the running ability makes me a good fancy quarterback, and I think he's going to struggle as a real-life quarterback. He struggled last night. Everybody was raving about how well he played. I mean, the escapability is fantastic. But what he was doing in garbage time last night, he would, he would get away from a sack, and he'd look, and he'd be like, I'm just going to chuck it deep. And his receivers were out jumping people. He didn't, he, re- real-life-wise, I didn't think he played that well. And I feel like people were going bonkers about how good he was. And I kind of went, am I watching the same thing? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny how people get crazy with the players like this. Because everybody wants to be the first one to be right. The first people who were right about Deshaun Watson were people that were drafting him in July. I mean, like they, if they were saying, hey, I like Deshaun Watson. 
basically anybody who has him in a best ball league that was just like, I think he's going to start and be useful. Like that, that was about as much as you could win on him at the time with what we knew. I don't remember anybody saying, not only is he going to start week one, he's going to be awesome. Maybe people were on that limb. I didn't see or hear it. But as Watson goes, home against Cleveland week six. So the hype probably goes up more. Buy in week seven. He's got an at Seattle. He's got at Rams. He's got at Baltimore. He's got at Jacksonville still on the schedule in weeks eight, 10, 12, and 15. Sprinkled in home games against the Colts in week nine, the Cardinals in week 11, the Niners in week 14, and the Steelers in week 16. It's, it's going to be a bumpy road because some of those defenses are going to be really tough for him. Yep. And I know that running, that running ability, it makes quarterbacks much safer from a fantasy standpoint because the 40 or 50 yards in the ground goes a long way to offset a bad game passing when they can do that. And if you're losing, you're going to run more. So it, it makes sense. I think, I think going up to like top five on Watson is very, very aggressive. I don't see it like that. I, I think if you want to say he's a top 10 quarterback or a top 12 fantasy quarterback, sure. I can, I can live with that. You want to put him ahead of, of all the, the rivers, Eli Dalton, all, all those guys, all those old traditional pocket passers that don't really do anything else. I get that. I totally get that. But you want to put him ahead of Wilson and Ryan? I don't. I don't quite see that. I mean, Alex Smith or Deshaun Watson. Rest of the season, you decide right now who, who's going to have more fantasy points from week six on. Watson. Okay, so it's still still some some hesitation buying into Smith completely. Yeah, and understandable. I, and I'm not like I said. I don't. I'm not beating. No, I like Watson. I like him better in fantasy reality. I think I think I the issue I had more was how well people thought the real life Deshaun Watson played. I mean, he showed us a lot. Like the he basically kept plays alive. I, we'd love guys to do that. But okay, I, I'm gonna go through this with you. Okay, so Brady over Watson, right? Of course, yeah. yeah. Okay. Rogers, yes. Yeah, and Rogers over Brady too. Dak. Dak over Watson. Okay. Uh, Wentz. That one's pretty close to even. I like the weapons better in Philly, so I'll take Wentz. All right. Um, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Cam. Cam. Carson Palmer, Rivers. Stop me. Breeze. Watson over all of them except for Breeze. All right. Um, Stafford. I'm going to say on that one, that's that's a great one. That's a great toss-up because they're so different, too. I'll say Stafford over Watson, but, man, that, that I, I almost have to look at Stafford's schedule and see if it lines up as tough as, as the Watson schedule. Um, Jameis. Uh, Jameis over Watson. I, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Jameis okay. is kind of in that Carson Wentz tier right now. Okay. Um, Cousins. I'll take Cousins over Watson. Interesting. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. I don't get 2016 Kirk Cousins. I get 2017 Kirk Cousins. Correct. Which means I get that receiving core and a run game that I don't really like. Ugh, I am going to actually. Now, Watson over Cousins is, is something I would do. I think I'd go Watson over Stafford too. The more I think about it, Stafford, something's up with him. Like he's, he's chugging along with a pretty bad YPA. 
They're trying to run a lot. They're trying to run more. They get the Saints in week six, so this will be a, a good week for me to look stupid. But <laughs> I, I, I'm going Watson over Stafford. Okay. Um, Mariota. I would rather have Mariota than Watson. Okay. I don't think I'm going to go any deeper than that because I think we've got it. So you got nine guys ahead of Watson. Man, I, I could see like two of those guys at least being in the same tier. Where if you if you said no, Watson Watson's better than Mariota, I'd say oh, okay, okay. I, I don't I don't think you're crazy for thinking that. I think right. I think it's the first six or seven where I'm not willing to to think that he's better than those guys just yet. Actually, interesting. The, the one guy I was questioning because uh, I'm different than you. I probably have six guys ahead. Of him. I, I don't I don't agree on Mariota, Jamison, Wentz. And Russell Wilson's the interesting one to me. I mean, so I get it. Like I, so if I have him seven, like I'm not, you know, completely yelling at people, but I mean, I, I just thought when people kind of just went, whoa, this is the greatest game I ever saw, but I got, you know, <laughs> I'm exaggerating. And I kind of went, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, because they got the, they got the snot kicked out of them. Let's not forget. Uh, okay. Vikings bears tonight. Bradford's going to play. It looks like. Yay. I have uh Stefan Diggs. I need a lot from him to win in stake leagues. So that's it's good news if you have Diggs and Thielen in particular. Right. Um the other side, uh the Mitchell Trubisky era begins. Do you think this is a an error filled Trubisky performance, or do they keep the reins pretty tight on him? I think they're gonna be pretty balanced. They're gonna run it a lot, they'll probably dump it off to Howard and Cohen a lot and probably throw it to the tight ends. It, the thing that works against Trubisky is just it's such a bad supporting cast in the passing game for him. They're so thin without Meredith and White. And even with Meredith and White, we look at them and say that's probably a below average group of pass catchers by a decent margin. They're way below average without those two guys. So, yeah, he might not make some of the same ugly mistakes as Mike Glennon, but I, I think he's still going to be pretty limited with what he can do because of the personnel around him. Right. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see this. And 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 I think that I wonder the, the guy I wonder if who has whose life has changed more with Bradford out is Kyle Rudolph. I wonder if he sort of bounces back here. So. I am concerned about Rudolph overall anyway, because the volume last year got pretty crazy. Uh, he did score in that week one game against the Saints. Only had three targets, though. Right. Because that was that was the Diggs and Thielen show. That's true. You're right. All right. Well, Vikings Bears. I'm you know I'm watching Yankees, so I don't think I'm watching Vikings Bears. To be honest with you, I'll be flipping at times. It's you know it's how it goes. It's, it's playoff baseball. I I love baseball, as people on this pod know. So I'll I'll be watching both. Okay. Um, but everybody, yeah, if you like, if you're watching Vikings Bears more than us, send us tweets at jhalpin37 and at Derek Van Riper. All right, uh, everybody, listen to this podcast and get a free 10 day RotoWire trial, rotowire.com slash pod, no credit card required. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. Derek, what do we got going on this week that's going to start helping people for week six? Got the lineup optimizers for DFS. Those will be ready to go, I think, on Tuesday for week six. And then you've got uh, we've got the Monday Thursday optimizer too. So if you're going to play in that small slate for these, these next couple days, that's on there. Jeff's value meter goes up soon. Before that, Kevin Payne's waiver wire article goes up on Tuesday morning. It's a great way to uh, 
kind of get started before we listen to the pod with uh, with Jake and John. So, yeah, lots of stuff up there. Ask an expert. Also good. Send us a question within 24 hours. Get a response. Probably one of the best features on the site. So be sure to check that out as well. Yeah, actually, uh, I used the optimizer yesterday. For I just decided I didn't do cash lineups this week. I got into it late, so I said, "All right, I'm going to do one, like a large fields, three dollar whatever." And I told the optimizer, "I want Gallman, Jerron Brown, and Safarian Jenkins go." And I did well. I actually finished in the top. I don't know. I mean, one the the the, the top two percentile, which you know, it's I mean for three dollars I won twenty, which is not a huge deal. I didn't make a big score, but it was nice. It was a really good lineup. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how the optimizer really should be used. That's optimal use of the optimizer is to use it to find players that fit around things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Please, please. When you play daily fantasy, use your own brain first right. and then use tools to supplement what you feel good about to try to max out the quality of the lineup you can put together. And I mean, some people only need it for one spot, but I, I like using it the way you do too, where I have a couple things that I like that are cheap. It's like, all right, what should, what should I really be doing? Because it, it finds, it kind of finds blind spots that I have, you know, okay. we, as, as, as analysts, I think everyone has some, some biases that can work against them. And optimizers don't have that. They, they just like, they just like the numbers. Yep. I got, it told, it steered me to, Beckham, Brown, Dak. Dak. You know what's the retort? Duke. Mm-hmm. It kept coming up because I would say what I do is sometimes you know, I didn't sort it right and I had the night game in it, which I wasn't playing the night slates. I go, oh, no, that's Deshaun's got to get out. I got to put in someone else. And, you know, Dak came in and it kept but it kept showing up. Duke. Everything kept showing up. Duke. And they're right. It was it was absolutely right. I mean, you know, Duke was salary wise. Duke was forty nine hundred and he scored seventeen point three points, which in a cash lineup is is. Perfect. That is what you're looking for. Yep. So good job, Optimizer. Thanks. All right. Uh, if you like this podcast, everybody, we'd appreciate it if you would leave us a review and a rating. I've been seeing more ratings lately. I, I like that a lot. Thank you so much for doing it. Uh, everyone, thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Be back on Tuesday with Jake Latarski and lots of free agent talk. So please check back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.